And that's what I decided. I'm going to murder my mother. And I didn't feel that I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me. Alright, you're drunk you. and you got One, two, three. What? <laughs> slower than that. One, <laughs> two, three. That was so off. You got to do it again. You're okay, way too let's late. do it over top. Okay, one, two, three. I still feel like you're I off. I feel like I was early. Alright, one. Alright, well, two. You want to try it one more time? Three. One, I'll, I'll count. One, I, I count. Two. I count. Seven. <laughs> We're never going to get through this episode. One, two, three. three. I feel like that was on. I feel like that was on. I think we're good. Okay. Line those motherfuckers up. Time, but we'll just go. Hey, I think it was good the first time. We weren't, but all right. So, yeah, no, it's on page seven. Page seven. Oh, no, page eight, where it says episode two. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Page eight, episode two. Got it. I'm there. Alright, cool. So, welcome everyone to The Chilling Truth. I am Corey, and I'm looking at my friend Johnny's uh, nose and down because his camera's fucked up. There you go, now I can see his beautiful blue eyes. Hello! Hello! Johnny, how many beers in are you right now? Five. Five beers in. Okay, Five so it's going to be a fun episode. Then. It's going to be a good time. I wouldn't say fun. It might be annoying. I don't know. I might not say anything, so who knows? I'm already having a good time, and we're about, uh, I don't know, maybe, two, what, two minutes in? All right. A minute and 30 seconds in. Okay. I'm having a good time. Well, good. Uh, good. Fucking good. <laughs> All right, so today we're picking up with, uh, with uh, part two of Pablo Escobar. Uh, we What we wanted to do now is when we do a series, uh, we want to start posting those week weekly. So instead of waiting two weeks, if it's a series, like part one went out, what, yesterday? And then part two is going to go out this Friday. So that way you guys don't have to wait for the new information. We kind of learned that lesson uh, with Zodiac. People kind of lost interest after it was, uh, you know, taking a little bit to get out. Nice. I like how you blew Thank away you. from the mic, but everybody heard that. <laughs> Everyone heard the verb regardless. So yeah. It's kind of becoming my new, like, quote unquote catchphrase. Because I'm always drinking something when we record. So we're picking up uh, with Escobar. Like I said, last episode we talked about his rise to criminal fame and how he became the wealthiest criminal in history. This episode we're going to talk about his political career, his quote-unquote incarceration, uh, him being on the run, and then his ultimate death. So lots of money is now pouring into Colombia with deposits in the country's four major banks doubling between 1976 and 1980. Uh, and Pablo was able to use his millions of dollars, billions of dollars, really, to take. Are you good? I was trying to step over. Did you the fall? Dog. Oh no, I was stepping over the dog. Okay, was... well, you made it look like you were stepping over a fucking river. It, no, it looked rough, but no, I was adjusting blinds. Stepped over the dog. Five beers. Okay, yeah, five beers in. Uh, let me know when you get to six. Uh, I'm on six. Okay, cool. Middle so of six. You're gonna six. sleep real good tonight. Hopefully. Okay, so, um, yeah, he used his millions to take possession of every step of his operation, traveling to Peru, Bolivia, and Panama, and buying up all the cultivation farms and processing plants that he could. So he was also able to buy off enforcement agencies in every single country, developing a ruthless policy, which we talked about last time, 
plata o plomo, silver or lead. So if the officials didn't accept the bribe, they would get killed. <laughs> so again, like I said last time, I would just take the fucking money because it seems like the easiest way to do it. No, no, I agree. I agree. No, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, you always take the money. When you're dealing with people like this, you take the fucking money. It's obvious, right? Take the money and run. Well, no, not even running. Like, if you don't take the money, they're just going to burn your house to the ground with your family in it. Or worse. Right. So you just, I, I don't know if, when you're living amongst these people, I don't think there's an option. When you're offered you money, money, you I, I think you have to. It, right. it, regardless exactly. of your morals and ethics, I think you have to if you want to maintain what you have. And these people end up uh, going down a dark rabbit hole trying to maintain what they have. But I, I think that's with any border town, any anything that, you know, money laundering, like, uh, you know, storefronts. People work hard for the situations that they, they are in and then someone takes advantage of that and they just have to basically go along with it if they want to keep what they've worked hard for it's hard right it's hard to blame these people always take the money if you have the option of money or being dead take the money right i mean because you're not thinking about yourself these motherfuckers these are farmers these are ranchers that are thinking about their wife their children they're it's not just them so yeah take the money you you have to take the money i don't think there's you anymore by the way i'm right here i see you you're good. Yeah, I know, but you're not on my phone. Yeah, but it doesn't matter to the listeners because we're on a different... You're good. I see you. Okay, well, whatever then. Yeah, no, as long as you... Um, you okay, so... Yeah, yeah. You, we're good, right? Yeah, I mean, just take the money. If you have the option to take the money or be murdered and have your family murdered, I would say just take the money and go buy a new car or something. I don't know. Spend the money on your family. So, uh, around this time, Pablo built his... Okay, this is listen to this. His seven thousand four hundred acre ranch, Haciendas Los Napoles, and that's the one we talked about last episode with the plane over the the arch coming in there. So he had helicopters, cars, motorcycles. Hell, he even had his own zoo with exotic animals from all over the world. Uh, and there was a rumor a while back that circulated that he fed enemies to his hippos from time to time. Which hippos will eat anything, right? They're like goats. Yeah, but I mean, you the the Anglo history. We've done the same thing with pigs, you know. Yeah, but that's true. Uh, Robert Picton did that. He literally fed them to pigs. Right. So I, I don't see how this is any more fucked up than you know what we've already been exposed to as far as sure. exposing a, a, a body. So yeah, I mean, hippos it actually makes way more sense. Than a pig because bigger. It's, well, bigger but faster. I feel like a hippo is yeah, gonna get done. rid of you. Yeah, basically, you don't really have to do with it. Yeah. You, you don't have to sit and watch the pigs devour the entire body and bones. Uh, the hippo is gonna do it, nice and easy. Yeah, I mean, if you're murdering and then also sitting there watching the animals devour the corpse, you know that's that's a step above just murdering and feeding them to the animals. Yeah, but, but I guess I mean you got to check your work. Like math. Well, not. I mean, if you if you're willing to pull the trigger and make this shit happen, anyways, yeah, you can watch this shit happen. You're hardcore. You're a fucking gangster. Fucking OG. Well, I don't know about all that, but we'll no, I do. Yeah, dude. Fucking balls, bro. Okay, well, 
So you're saying Willie Picton was a gangster. He was a dirty pig farm boy who smelled like pig shit 100% of the time. I'm saying he and had showered the, like I, once a month. I'm saying he had the balls to pull the trigger on whatever he did. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted to see it through fruition. He did. And oh, he strangled that, it. Yeah, I get what you mean. Exactly. So that takes figuratively go- pulled the trigger. It, like I'm not defending or saying what these guys did was cool, but it takes a little bit of gusto. <laughs> To see someone through their last breath by strangling them. Like, you've got to Yeah, I have... guess we should preface all of our episodes with that. That we don't think any of this is good. We do no, a podcast to give but, information, not but because you, we think these guys are no, cool. But you have a set of cojones that, like, you... You're... you're I couldn't do it. That's what I'm saying. Is I, I couldn't right. do it. Right. No, yeah, me either. I agree completely. Moving on. So at the same time that he was indulging in his uh, every materialistic whim in private, Pablo began tending to his public image as well. Uh, he constantly denied that he was involved in any illicit activity, uh, portraying a formal, a formal, likable persona and appearing humble and polite. Uh, he cons- consciously cultivated the image that he was a freedom fighter for the underprivileged, setting himself up as an alternative to the establishment. He also poured millions of dollars into social construction programs. And this is what we talked about last time. This gave him the support of the poor people in town because he was building uh, barrios for them. And sometimes the Socarros would go into town and literally just hand out money to poor people. Dude, it's, it's perfect marketing, to be honest. It's great. It's honestly, I wish we could do it to promote the podcast. No, but it- I need my money, every bit of it. But see, Pablo had so much money, he literally didn't even know what to do with it. At one point, he told Gustavo, his cousin, to just fucking bury it. He, Gustavo came in, he's like, "We, I don't know what to do with all the money. We're laundering it here, we're putting it here, we're doing this. And he's like, just fucking bury it. I don't know what else to do with it. We have too much of it. That's insane. Just That's a lot of money. It's a lot of... Because it's all cash. It's not in a bank. It's not a debit card. It's all cash. I wish I had enough money to where I could bury uh, a fraction of that money and not need that money. Yeah, like, like I need all the money. See, like, I need all the money that I make. I need every bit of it. If I drop a penny, <laughs> I pick it up. Yeah, every like, penny counts yeah. to me. Because when I drop a penny, I'm like, that's one one hundredth of a dollar, and I need to keep that. What yes. if I find ninety nine pennies around the corner? Then I'm missing one. Hey, that you know? shit adds up. It adds up. It does, man. It does. Uh, so even though he seemed like a philanthropist in the public, in private, Pablo conducted himself in an understated manner. So he spoke softly and was generally relaxed and casual with those around him. Now, I can't remember the actor's name. I should have looked it up before the show. You but the have. guy that played the guy, fuck you, the guy that played Pablo Escobar in Narcos does a really good job of being like cool and calm and casual, like until he needs to be, you know, big tough guy, you know. Right. So uh, he was hugely self-indulgent with food, drink, and women, which uh, all those things come with money. Uh, If you have billions of dollars, you can probably hook up with just about anybody you want to. If you you have billions of dollars, you're throwing money at me, I'll play with your dick for a little bit. Then I'll fuck you. Hey, man. You can pay my bills. Uh, So he considered himself a law upon himself. On one occasion... When an employee was found to have stolen from him, Pablo had him brought before him bound hand and foot and then kicked him into a swimming pool, making everyone watch as the man drowned. It's fucking gangster, dude. Well, that'll put some lead in your pencil right there. That's, I, I mean, I, you don't want to... It's a mess. Can you imagine if a regular yeah, boss did that? Yeah, but I don't think it had anything to do with the guy that drowned in the pool. I think it had everything to do with 
this guy made a, uh, a he's an example yeah he yeah he made a an executive decision and all of these people will see that he made this executive decision and he will be taken seriously yeah like this motherfucker's not to be fucked with because to not only just drown someone to just watch them helplessly drown is whew, i can't even they'd be terrible man. dude how the fuck dude just it's to like, sit there and watch them. Imagine watching someone spank their child in public. Okay, there are a lot of uh, scenarios where that kid deserves to be spanked. But, but you don't want to see it, though. Even if that kid deserves to be spanked and you're watching this parent waylay on this kid's ass, it makes you feel a little weird. Right. So take that a step further. I guess a few steps. <laughs> I think a, a couple uh, steps. Like, a, like steps. A, a few leaps, and you're <laughs> making like everybody watch this motherfucker drown. Like, like <laughs> watch this grown man drown yeah. in my swimming pool. Fucking Jesus crazy. Jesus Christ. And you know they went swimming, like, the next day. He just didn't care that there was a corpse in there the day before. Well, I'm sure he had the pool cleaners out immediately. Well, yeah. You know, afterwards, I'm sure. Yeah. So, with his popularity among the masses firmly established and his dominance over his empire assured, the next logical step for Pablo was politics. I don't think it was logical. His his explanation was I think it good, is. I suppose. When you, you think, think it's it... logical to get into politics when you're a drug lord, drug trafficker? Look at his position. Look at our politics. Well, look look at Germany's politics. Look at look at anyone that has ever had a dictatorship. This kind of persona is what Do you mean America? Is perceived. America? I, well, I'm I'm not saying, man. I don't know shit about politics. I don't watch news. I don't pay attention to that shit. So uh, his path to legitimate office began in 1978 when he was elected as a substitute city councilor in Medellin. In 1980, he gave his personal and financial support to the formation of a new national political movement, the New Liberal Party. Then, in 1982, he ran for and was elected to Congress, albeit as a substitute who attended uh, when the primary delegate from Medellin was unavailable. So he went all the way to fucking Congress and won. So the reason he did this because of a major perk of being elected to Congress was that Pablo now had judicial immunity, meaning that he could not be convicted for a crime under Colombian law, which seems problematic. The position also afforded him a diplomatic visa, which he made use of to regularly take his family on trips to the United States. And on one trip, he purchased an $8 million mansion in Miami Beach, Florida. And I do that all the time. I always buy a ridiculous expensive mansion when I go on vacation. I think it's a pretty normal thing to purchase. To be clear, if you had the means, you would definitely treat your family to an $8 million mansion in Miami Beach, Florida. It's just the way it is. We hate yeah, I mean, because so. we, 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 it's not an honest way of living, but speak for yourself, man. the shit is badass. The fact that you can fucking show up, spend eight mil, have a weekend getaway with the family. Dude, I'm dude. That's pretty dope. And not only spend $8 million, but spend $8 million and not give a fuck about it. Oh, it's fuck you money. Yeah, it's fucking, we spent how much? I'm I'm not even thinking about it. We got home, and we're thinking about the things that we got going on at home. We're not even thinking about the vacation that we spent money on. I go to McDonald's and buy a $5 meal, and I'm like, I could have just eaten at home. I have food at the house I could have eaten. 
Exactly. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, fuck. This motherfucker's yawning. Apparently, we've bored Corey because he's yawning. No, you're good. You're just, you know, you were eating, so we took a break, and then now we're back, and, uh, yeah. A two-minute break caused you to yawn? Yeah, well, I mean, I just, you know, I'm a little tired. Some of us are still working, so. Oh, that's right. So this wide exposure uh, ended up being Pablo's downfall. So the 1% of Colombia knew Pablo for what he was, and that was a ruthless drug trafficker. So when he turned up to take his seat in Congress as an alternate for the first time on August 16th, 1983, with a bevy of bodyguards in tow, he was first denied entry for not wearing a tie. He quickly got a hold of one and swept into the packed chamber. He slumped down in his allocated seat and began nervously to bite his fingernails. So immediately, the chamber president stood and demanded that all the bodyguards be removed from the chamber. Pablo nodded, and his thugs left the room. Within minutes, Justin or Justice Minister Rodrigo Lara was on his feet, defending a claim of corruption that had been brought against him. Lara pointed the finger at Pablo, stating, We have a congressman who was born in a very poor area himself, very, very poor, and afterwards through astute business deals and bicycles and other things, appears with a gigantic fortune with nine planes, three hangars at the Medellin airport, and creates the movement, quote, death to kidnappers, while on the other hand, mounts charitable organizations with which he tries to bribe a needy and unprotected people. And there are investigations going on in the United States, of which I cannot inform you here tonight in the House, on the criminal record of Pablo Escobar. That dude has more balls than Escobar because that dude just stood up to Escobar and everything Escobar's ever done. Yeah, no, I would, I would suspect so that to, if you do to... stand up against him, yeah, he's going to fucking have you nixed. Yeah, we'll find out so about that here in a minute. That, right, but the fact that this dude, like, this dude had balls. This guy's got fucking gusto. I can't see you. Okay, can you see me? It's gonna be a lot of. It's gonna be a lot of editing. Why? Because you're talking over me, and I'm talking over you a lot. No, no. Well, the, la- the this last time that I was talking over you, I did it kind of on purpose. But I think it's good. I don't think you need to edit it out. Five beers, okay, bro. Well, we'll see. Five and a half. I yeah, I know. I'm aware. Five and a half. Working on bro. six. Five point five. Yeah, I think we can tell. All right, moving on. Death to kidnappers. I didn't put it in the script, but it was a. Uh, and one of uh, Pablo's colleague's daughter was kidnapped by M19, which is a guerrilla group in Medellin. And so they created the Death to Kidnappers, and they basically just started wiping out these fucking people until they finally gave the girl back to the family. So this was the beginning of the end for Pablo. Pablo, Pablo was no longer welcome in political circles. He was kicked out of the new Liberal Party, and the U.S. Embassy revoked his diplomatic visa. The Catholic Church also renounced their support of him, and the government seized 85 of the exotic animals on Pablo's ranch, claiming that they had entered the country illegally, and Pablo's political career was now in ruins. Even worse for Pablo, the Colombian government at Lara's urgings were fast-tracking an extradition treaty with the U.S. that would see him tried in America for selling cocaine in that country, which they didn't want this. These guys did not want to be extradited. They were more scared of... They would rather be dead in Colombia than alive in America, is what they would say. Because American prisons don't fuck around. Uh, Colombian prison, sure. It's probably not a lot less scary, or it's a lot less intense for these guys because they're known to be violent. Right. But in America, it is what it is. So now this is a mystery that is 100% unsolvable. I don't know who could have committed this crime. And you're not going to understand who did it either. 
But in May 1984, Justice Minister Lara was shot seven times while riding in his chauffeur-driven limousine. That's a, just a good case of who done it. You know, who could have done this? Right. I mean, obviously, it's, this it's targeted to Pablo and his organization. No, he was killed. He was he was shot seven times. He's he was right. Dead. Exactly. Like overkill, like that. Seven shots. It's got to be like. I mean, with politics, that's it's got to be targeted. It can't be just some random shooting. Bro, it isn't was that Pablo, weird? Pablo Escobar like, did it. Right, but isn't that weird? It that was Pablo Escobar. Like a, no, I get it. I just, I just, you're uh, blazing it's... past my joke and in turn ruining it. Oh, yeah. So that's in silence. Okay. That's just work. Still five and a half beers we're going on here. Five and a half. I haven't taken a sip in a few minutes. Yeah. Okay. Five and a half. Yeah. The liver's still okay, filtering. So... You know what I put in it. <laughs> this brought a lot of heat to Pablo and his organization. Unable to handle it, Pablo left to Panama. Him and his organization were no longer welcome there, despite Noriega offering asylum to Escobar just a year before that. Uh, after a few weeks, uh, he was offered to come back to Colombia as long as he wouldn't be extradited to America. Sorry, he offered to come back. Not He, he was not offered to come back. Uh, he could keep his possessions in Colombia, and he would rid the company of drug traffickers because he had such good influence over them. And uh, unfortunately, no, they did not take his offer. They said, fuck you. Yeah, basically, that's what they did. Yeah. So when enemies saw his fleeing the country as weak, his 73-year-old father was kidnapped, uh, and Pablo Pablo gave the order for a killing frenzy of any suspected kidnappers, and then uh, his father was eventually released, and no ransom was ever paid for that. So uh, that's the, uh, I guess the violence is the violence is the answer in that one. If you don't want to pay any kind of ransom, I mean, is is it still kidnapping if he's 73 years old? It just doesn't, it, it sounds weird. Kidnapping. 73-year-old. This 73-year-old male was kidnapped. Would you rather me say napped? He was a nap. he was napped. I don't know, but it's just, it, yeah, but don't you think that we would come up with a term for it? Just kidnapped. 73-year-old senior citizen. Child napped. Well, child napped sounds weird. Kidnapped sounds normal to everyone else except for you, I guess. Yeah, but kidnapped could also mean that, yeah, I lured this 73-year-old into a van with candy. You know, I don't know, man. My grandpa has a sweet tooth. You probably could get him in a van with candy. <laughs> so, so you could child nap your grandfather. I mean, if I wanted to, I guess I could. I mean, not you, weirdo. I mean, you could easily get him into your vehicle because you're related. He knows you. He's going to get in. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, just okay. a thought. I just thought it was weird. Kidnapping 73-year-old. Anyway. Five, five and a half, right? Yeah, I'm moving on five and a half. Yeah, five and a half. Okay. Uh, so Pablo did come back to Colombia after this. Uh, he was still very powerful there, so he roamed the town freely because no one was brave enough to try and arrest him. But his rage was focused on judici judiciary officials who supported extradition. So he paid M-19, the same people he was enemies with a few a little while before, uh, and he paid them millions to storm the Palace of Justice. They demanded the justices renounce extradition, and by the end of all of it, 11 of the 24 justices, along with 40 rebels, had been killed. And the violence didn't stop there. The killings were almost daily after that. Martial law was even enacted, and on August 18, 1989, Pablo's kill squads gunned down both the front-running presidential candidate, Louis Galan, and the state police chief. In the following four months, the Colombian government apprehended and sent more than 20 suspected drug traffickers to the United States to stand trial. A national police unit was stationed to Medellin specifically to hunt down Pablo, 
Within the first month, 30 of the 200 men stationed there had been killed, which is fucking intense, dude. That is a goddamn war going on. It's a drug war. So they call it a drug war, I guess. Do you think young boys and girls in Mexico grow up uh, wanting to be police officers because of the corruption? I- like here, it, know. you know, we still believe that justice is served and we, they serve the community and whatnot. So, you know, your boys and girls grow up wanting to be like a hero, which is firefighters, paramedics, police officers. So knowing how corrupt it is in Mexico, I mean, or is it the same as playing cowboys and Indians here? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't I, think they grow up wanting to be police officers. I think if like you're... Like father how to, or something was an officer, maybe. It is, oh, it, it, that actually, you mentioned that. My question was, how do they recruit? But I guess if you're dwelling into families, I guess that would be easy. With, yeah, with, I mean, I'm with sure leverage, there's some people who just want you know to do good. No, right, but like as far as leverage with families, like you need to serve on the police department. You need to be on this, this board because yeah. it works in our favor. And if you don't want to, we'll burn your family's fucking house to the ground kind of thing. I'm sure it's a scary job being a police officer. No I mean, doubt. I'm just I'm just saying as far as like people's want to be a police officer. It's just crazy. Why the right. fuck would you voluntarily be part of something that's so corrupt that it's going to end up getting your family killed? I don't, I mean, look, that's coming from a white male and that grew up in Texas. Uh, I've never been to Mexico, so. What I know of Mexico is what I've heard from media, so it could be the most prosperous place on the fucking planet. But um, well, this is Colombia, so you know what I mean. Colombia, whatever. I'm, South uh, America. Yeah, uh, you know Spanish culture, okay. not America. I got you. Okay. Well, thanks <laughs> for letting me carry on with Mexico okay. for as long as I did. So this goes to show. Uh, so yeah, so this time, this whole time Pablo was on the run, uh, with his family by his side, and eventually he was tired of running and agreed to negotiate with the government. Now, this goes to show how much carnage and violence Pablo and his organization were actually causing. So the government went on to allow this next thing I'm going to tell you to actually happen. This is true. This really did happen. So Pablo agreed to put an end to the violence, stop all criminal activity, and hand himself in. In exchange, he demanded preferential treatment in a prison of his choosing and a reduced settlement the government had already revoked the extradition treaty to the u.s with its 1991 constitution so he didn't have to worry about being sent to america but pablo uh, was duly arrested and tried he began his sentence at la cathedral prison in june 1991 but this was not like any other prison on earth it featured a football pitch jacuzzi and bar the prison guards were all employees of pablo and the prison cells no i'm fucking serious this really happened the prison cells were more like hotel suites and the food that pablo and his fellow inmates ate were prepared by chefs who were brought in from fine restaurants and he built the prison himself this is 100 percent true basically he just built a vacation home oh yeah sandals fucking sandals And not only that, no police officers or military were allowed within three miles of the facility. And he can make his own rules. That's just... All they did was contain him. That's all they did. 
Yeah, but the fact that he designed it, but he also made his own demands, and they followed them. <laughs> like, that's how much control he had over the fucking culture, you know what I'm saying? Like That's how much violence he was causing. Yeah, dude. And they were like, sure, fuck it, dude. If that's what you gotta do, hey, fucking hey, if, it, it, we'll it, do it. If he's gonna stay inside for a few weeks, let's take it, fellas. Let's just... <laughs> take the bait, yeah, man. Please. But uh, nothing good lasts forever, so after a few months, accounts began to reach official channels that Pablo was continuing to pursue his criminal activities from La Catedral. No fucking shit, he was going to keep doing it, he's making billions of dollars, he's not just going to stop. Yeah, who 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 hates making money? <laughs> I hate going to work, but I love payday. Exactly. This dude was just having payday all the time. Fucking $60 million dollars a week. Oh, it's so disgusting. So this was obviously a violation of the surrender agreement and moves were put in place to seize him and move him to a regular prison. Pablo's connections enabled him to get wind of the plan and escape before authorities could get to him, and the hunt for Pablo was back on. So the DEA has been involved with Pablo Escobar for a long time, but this is really when they start to buckle down and they're like, fuck it, we're just going to kill all these motherfuckers until we get to Pablo, and then after that, we're going to fucking kill him too. So, but now the U.S. and Colombian authorities were joined by a vigilante group known as Los Pepes, which stood for People Persecuted by Pablo Escobar. Los Pepes carried out a ruthless campaign, killing as many as 300 people who were connected to Pablo and his organization. And what's crazy is the Colombian government, they, the president, like, purposely did not acknowledge Los Pepes because then he would have to condemn them or, you know, be okay with it. So basically, he just ignored them because they were doing what they wished they could do, pretty much. And uh, honestly, I don't really blame him all that much. I mean, they're doing the dirty work, and you're not even having to pay them. So, I mean, what's really the... I mean, I get the issue, you know, humanity and such, but, right. you know. So following his escape from La Catedral, Pablo was constantly on the run. Most of his closest associates were dead, and his organization was falling apart. He was spending nights sleeping in the jungle, afraid to speak on the radio or answer the phone. Isn't that how, like, I, so I, they, I felt like that's how, regardless of how or where or when he died, that's what I always thought about with, like, Osama bin Laden. Like, he just lived out his last days just, like, paranoid like a motherfucker living in a cave or some dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's no way to live, dude. It's yeah, not like, you had control, live. you had a good time for about seven minutes. And then the rest of your days, you were, like, waiting just to be fucking finished. Bam! Shot in the fucking yeah, like, head. Yeah, like, how wor- like, is it worth it? Like, I mean, you got your message across for three and a half minutes. I don't know, man. We're still seeing ripples from 9-11, so... Right, but, like, to be the guy that was just making decisions, like, how... How far in the future did you think that your decisions would, like, affect shit? Because... I don't know, man. Criminals are notoriously stupid, so I mean, it's not like they're thinking ahead, really. Yeah, but we're not thinking about someone that's just knocking over a liquor store. We're talking about Pablo Escobar, Osama bin Laden, these guys that can manipulate an entire nation of people. Well, you gotta think, too, power is a really strong drug, and Pablo Escobar had more power than anybody in Colombia, pretty much. Oh, he right, but we go back to the killings and the drownings in public. He was willing to make decisions that made people aware of how serious he was i'm talking about once you make these decisions you're on top when it comes crashing down like is it worth it like in the history of people like your i don't know man i think honestly like 
living that life, that lavish life that he did for, I mean, years and years. I mean, I think, you know, live life to the fullest. He fucking did no, that. No, I totally get it. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm all about, you know, hashtag live your truth. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that hand motion ever again. I, I hashtag Stop it. it. Hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> you look like Ella DeGeneres. Hashtag. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, there's a, there's a line. Like, holy shit. Like, I kind of. You know, it's kind of like, would you rather be rich and miserable or poor and happy sort of deal? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like that. So I don't know, man. I mean, I wish I could know if he regretted it. I don't think he probably did. I mean, I think he regretted the stress and the intensity it put on his wife and his kids because not only was he on the run and they were also on the run, they couldn't get into America. They couldn't get into Germany. They couldn't go anywhere. And they were, he was worried about Los Pepes killing his family. Which is rightfully so, because how many fucking families did he break up? Did How many families did he kill? You know what I mean? Well, not by his hand, but by the hand of his Sicarios and his uh, associates. I mean, oh, he was definitely I think responsible. That, that part of it, he probably regrets. You think? Putting his family in danger. Putting his family in danger? Yeah, because Pablo was a family man up until the end. Like we said last time, he burned $2 million because he told his Sicarios, go get firewood. They were taking too long, so he pulled $2 million out of a safe, threw it yeah. in the fireplace, and put his daughter in front of the fireplace. Right, but it's like... I mean, of course, I think this is a ridiculous connection, but it's all I know. But anytime we've watched any kind of action film, any kind of suspense film where, you know, the head boss has so much on the line and he always has like a niece or a daughter that shows up in the movie, it doesn't change Mm -hmm. him from making the irrational, fucked up decisions that he makes. They have stuff that they care about. But it's not going to dictate right. the decisions they make when it comes to the business. And Yeah, I mean, I don't think if his wife told him, like, I want you to stop selling cocaine, I don't think he would have stopped. But I think that... No, he wouldn't have. No, fuck no. Even if his daughter was crying, like, please stop, he would have, like, been so loving to his daughter. And then he would have kept doing what he's doing. So, I don't know. It's hard for me to feel sorry for these dudes that are, like, family men. So fate finally did catch up to Pablo Escobar on December 2nd, 1993, the day after his birthday. And that birthday he spent alone listening to his family sing happy birthday to him over a wavelength radio in a dusty, dirty, abandoned apartment in fucking Colombia with a little tiny chocolate cake in front of him. Members of a Colombian search block team had tracked him down to... Uh, a house in the barrio of Los Olivos in Medellin via radio intercepts. The search block team smashed through the heavy steel door with a sledgehammer, whereupon six of them rushed into the house. It was then that they started sh- that the shooting started. In the house with Pablo was his most loyal bodyguard, known as Limon. They both bolted from the front room and made their way up to the roof. The six search block members, along with others outside, poured a massive barrage of gunfire at their targets. Limon was hit several times in the back and toppled to the ground below. Then Pablo went down. He was struck several times in the leg and torso, but the fatal shot penetrated his skull. So on confirming his target, the leader of the operation spoke excitedly into his radio, Viva la Colombia, we have just killed Pablo Escobar. That's heavy, dude. That's fucking crazy. But did they kill Pablo Escobar? It's very intense. Like, we just... It's kind of like when they killed Osama bin Laden. Well. Quote, unquote. Yeah. You know, you see the air quotes. Yeah. Kind of like that. 
But this really, they, I mean, this happened. There's video. I mean, there's pictures of them holding his fucking corpse up and the DEA agent. <laughs> right, 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 right. Up. There was that. I mean, drug lord or Got not, it. it's kind of fucked up. No, it's on YouTube. Yeah, the pictures are intense. They're all smiling and happy and shit, and they're just holding this fucking fat dead body. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Uh, but did they kill Pablo Escobar? Because Pablo had always told his family that if cornered, he would commit suicide by placing a bullet in his skull. Many police, many people believe that he did this once more, escaping the clutches of the Colombian authorities. Fuck uh, that. I think he was shot in the face. I think that he I told everybody that he would take his own life because he felt like he needed to be a gangster. But I think in the clutch of, like, just last minute... I think he fucking fought until they killed him. Fuck that. I, I think in the end, he probably didn't have the gusto to take his own life. He just wanted to see how far he could fucking get. It's greed. It's fucking greed. Why would you stop there? Yeah. I've gone this far. Why would I fucking take my own life now? Let's see if I can get out of this fucking jam. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm Pablo Escobar. I cannot run a fucking bullet. I'll pay the bullet to leave me alone is what I'll do. Yeah. Like when you pay people to be your muscle. Do you have the gusto to be the muscle when you need it? As like he, he has yeah. dudes that protect him. You know, is he really going to be able to take his own life when he needs to? I say needs to, not that you ever fucking need to. I'm just what he feels that he needs to. I should say. Or is he just well, another? You're chicken cornered shit? by the Colombian government and the DEA. Yeah, but I think yeah. I think if you've gotten to that point, I mean, you've fought so far. My point is, why not fucking go out guns blazing? You know, fucking Billy the Kid style. I think that if you're a drug lord as big as Pablo Escobar, I think it's more dignified or more <laughs> on brand, to put it in a stupid way. Yeah. It's more on brand to shoot yourself in the head than to let the Colombian authorities, and even worse, the American authorities, uh, kill you on a rooftop in your flip-flops with your belly hanging out of your polo. <laughs> right. I get that. Because if you you can't outrun a bullet in in fucking Adidas, you're not gonna definitely not gonna outrun a bullet in flip flops and fucking jeans. I'm sorry to tell anybody that. Um, but yeah, that wraps up uh, Escobar. This was really fun to research. Drug tells drug cartels are super fascinating to me. They always have been. I don't think we'll uh, cover any active cartels. The Medellin cartel hasn't been active since 1993, so I think we'll be okay. Uh, just because I don't want to end up dead or my family. Uh, end up dead, so I guess we'll leave like the Sinaloa cartel and all those guys. Uh, we'll leave them guys alone. Good call. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram. I have the dad's chill. You can follow Johnny on Instagram at Johnny2Jokes. You can follow the show at the Chilling Truth Podcast. Uh, if you have a chance, please go leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we appreciate that more than anything. We need those reviews. Um, good or bad, if you guys don't like the show or if you don't like something we're saying, you know, tell us on there. We like the bad reviews just as much as we like the good reviews. And uh, we appreciate it nonetheless. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Later.